This is a HeadGum Podcast. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, halflings. It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and my pronouns are he, him, and I'm joined today by... <laughs> Uh, hi, my name is Jeremy Cobb. My pronouns are he, him, but, but, <laughs> uh, Lobin of Roxley, who I think has since changed his name. Uh, he's gone through multiple screen names on our discord, uh, calls me Cobb the Builder. Oh my God. This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragons. <laughs> Full Prince vibe. Woof. <laughs> Makes them even more black. Cake glitches and bitches. And lands in the cusp of a teaspoon. Oh, no. On a nat 20. No. You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it. Yeah. We're about to get into something real big now. Cobb the Builder. Love it. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. We were talking uh, just in a, uh, uh, I guess for you listening, an upcoming uh, episode, guest episode about the sort of na- the the purely twee nature of being English, and mm-hmm. I feel like uh, Bob the Builder very much fits into that category. Like builders, is he in not England Australian? Are... Bob the Builder? No, I thought Bob. Dude. I never watched Bob the Builder. I just Bob thought that he was Australian. Definitely English. Um, okay makes sense definitely english uh but i think that he fits into that category because if you actually know builders in the uk they are not bob the builder like typically yeah. they yeah. they they drive around in 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 these big vans <laughs> they're covered in paint all the time and they are one of two things they are either <laughs> extremely polite lovely guys or the rudest people you'll ever meet in your entire yeah. life like they fall very firmly into one of two camps uh, there is where no they're like ground. so helpful or ridiculously unhelpful so um i guess bob the builder is going more after that first category but he's still he's way too clean to be an actual british builder because they're always <laughs> covered in paint and you'll ask them what they do and they're like oh i like install bathrooms and i'm like but how are you covered in paint then like, <laughs> what, what, like what, what do you do i'm a lumberjack <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you're covered in paint. I don't understand how. <laughs> Cutting down them paint trees, man. They, paint grows on trees? Really? Uh, really? People paint trees. What? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't get it, man. It's like a dogging thing. <laughs> and again, these are all references, which you're going to get in about two to three weeks' time when the, that episode comes out. because Jeremy, They still won't get the dogging thing unless they are like they look it up, because that oh, is sure. obscure sure, for like sure. an American. For an Anyone wedding. outside of Britain. That's just a He's really be... weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've now given a little window into when we've recorded this, which is going to be fun for people to piece together after the fact. Yes. Uh, and I quite enjoy that. Um, but we actually have an interview for you this episode. <laughs> um, what did you what did you talk about with this in, uh, with this in this interview with? Uh, oh, we talked about stuff. A- 
Yeah, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about uh, how to how to approach characters uh, if you are yourself not like a professional performer. Because, of course, this person, by the way, the person I interviewed, I did not say it during the interview, is an absolute like workhorse of a TTRPG oh, player. Yeah. Uh, oh, if yeah. If you is if you're familiar with like music, then you might know you might have heard the term a session musician. A session musician is a person who is called in uh, by like the producers to come and put play a part on a song, even if they're not part of like the regular band. They'll just come in and play the part, and they're called in because they are reliable. They will get it done fast, and they will get it done well, and they will mm-hmm. give you exactly what you need. They are, and that is this person. Uh, they are, they are. You 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 know if you have them in your if you have them in your show, you're gonna get a solid yep. performance you're going to get somebody yep. who is uh engaged who comes in with a knowledge of the mechanics uh cool ideas about characters uh and so yeah we talked about how to make characters how to approach performance we talked about video games and pokemon uh we talked about the different kinds of nerds that exist we talked about a whole range of things uh amazing yeah the guest of course is draconic track oh. friend of the show yeah yeah uh, that's yeah. very exciting. Uh, we love Drac. Uh, I actually shared a room with Drac. Fun story. Uh, mm. I met Drac for the very first time in San Francisco. Despite the fact we live in the same country, we met for the first time in San Francisco, where we yep. shared a room. Uh, we shared a we 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 bunked together, as it were, yeah. at Big Bad Con last year. It was very very fun. So it was uh, part of their dogging event. No, it wasn't. And before Jeremy can make any more references to this, I think that we should turn it over to past <laughs> Jeremy and his discussion with Draconis. Hello, halflings. Uh, I am here with a real treat for all of you. Uh, I'm here with a, a face, or I guess a voice rather, that you have heard on 3VH multiple times. Uh, we have friend of the show, TTRPG writer, performer, and actual play producer. You've heard them in 3BH series like Outlaws and Obelisks, Slowdown Showdown, Paradox Perfect with Brennan Lee Mulligan, uh, also titled Beautiful Nonsense, uh, in which they played uh, Willis, <laughs> but not future Willis, uh, and most recently, uh, the Vineyard RPG. We got Draconic, everybody! Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep coming back. I never, you can never get rid of me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like a herpes infection that we love. You know, I grow on you like a barnacle <laughs> or like a foot, You know, <laughs> just a relentless fungus that will not stop. <laughs> but yeah, hi, I'm Jack or Draconics, uh, he they pronouns, and I'm very happy to be here again. Well, we are delighted to have you. Uh, thank you so much. I I want to jump right in. Can you please give us your nerdy origin story? How did you get into nerd stuff in general and then TTRPG stuff in in particular? Okay, so I guess it depends on what you think, like you classify as nerds. Um... Try me. Start throwing it out. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'll like, give you my uh, off-the-cuff opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, I've talked to Bria about this uh, before, but mm-hmm. I think I, I've been interested in sports for a very long time, and I think sports, like, jocks are just sport mm. nerds. Extremely nerdy. Yeah, they're extremely yeah. nerdy just about sports specifically. So if you want to go yeah. with that, I've been a quote-unquote nerd maybe since I was, like, maybe 12, 13 years old so when I went to mm-hmm. uh, secondary school and, like, actually played uh, competitive sport. Um, mm. In primary school, which one? Was what playing, was your what oh, was your in, sport of choice? Um, so I originally I played football for a very long time. Um, 
so it was a lot of football and then rugby mm. i started playing rugby Ooh. in secondary school um i realized that in all honesty thinking back on it i don't think i was really good at most of the sports i tried <laughs> i think i just i was tall and fast for my age and they used mm-hmm. that to the advantage of whatever sport i was in so i played a lot of football in my opinion didn't have much skill for it but i was fast and that was useful <laughs> i played rugby again i didn't have much skill for it but i was fast but that was useful but then i started doing track and field which i was actually good at because i was fast and that's the whole point mm-hmm. of track and field <laughs> exactly um, <laughs> so i i think that's when i became like a sports nerd i i loved um mm playing sports i never really watched much of a fan watching it um again maybe feel very restless because i was like i need to mm-hmm. play now that i'm watching i need to play this thing. right yeah you um, want to charge the field and like shove exactly. somebody out of the way and be like i'm in now <laughs> yeah exactly in, coach. yeah, yeah. Um, I, so, I feel that way at, th- at theater uh like it plays ooh. sometimes yeah every once in a while i'll be like come on put me in there put me in there <laughs> I feel like yeah. this thing a lot of like um a lot of people passionate about something feel like i think it becomes very hard um, not to sound like pessimistic or cynical, but I think there's a there reaches a point of passion for a thing where you're like, I'm not satisfied with just watching or seeing it mm. anymore. I want to participate in it, um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a very interesting thing to to uh, acknowledge and then navigate. Because sometimes like, yeah, Jack, you don't need to be involved in everything. You can just watch. <laughs> <laughs> you can just let other people do it and enjoy it as an audience member. Uh, <laughs> But, Enjoy yeah. the fruits of their labor. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think with that version of nerdhood, around like maybe 12, 13 years old, if you want to go like the stereotypical like gaming nerds, mm-hmm. um, I, like I said, I was interested in sport for a very long time. And I'd watched so much media that I was like, ah, oh, I'm not a nerd. I could never be a nerd. Video games are for nerds. Um, <laughs> and then, one and then day, you start playing them. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, oh, wait, this is great. It. That was literally it. One of my friends introduced me to Pokemon. So I'd heard about Pokemon already. Oh. And I was like, that's a nerdy game. I'm a jock. I would never play that. Then one of my friends, <laughs> uh, one of my friends had Pokemon pearl i think or diamond i was gonna say you must have been you must have been you must be younger than me because i when pokemon hit i was i was there when pokemon first hit (laughs) and everybody at least in my age range which i was like six or seven years old everybody played pokemon it was not a nerd or jock thing (laughs) uh to to the extent that those distinctions even existed at that age it was like it was the cool thing to play yeah 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 um you yeah, know so you played I, you started with diamond and pearl gen 4 I, I think so i think i think it was diamond and pearl um one of my friends had diamond and pearl um and i think for whatever reason i can't remember why but they just wanted to give it away to a friend and i was like yeah sure i guess i have it so they gave me diamond and i started Did you playing have a ds up. Yes, I didn't have one. Uh, my, I believe my sisters, did, my younger sisters. Oh, did. okay. Um, yeah, but I had. I was like, sure, I guess I'll, I'll play it. Why not? And I was hooked. I was up all night. On, <laughs> I'd be underneath my covers <laughs> while my mom thinks I'm asleep playing, uh, like leveling up my Charmander. Like it was. Uh, who ridiculous. was who was your starter? Who was um, your starter? I in those? can't remember for the life of me because I had diamonds. It was Chimchar, Piplup, and Turtwig. I was Chim Chai three starters. It was Chim Chai because okay. I just love. I still do to this day love fire and just fire types. Yeah. Um, so it was it was Chim Chai for sure. Um, 
and I just stuck with that. Every night during school nights, I'd be just under my covers playing till way too early in the morning. <laughs> um, and wouldn't tell anyone because I was like, I'm too embarrassed to tell people that I'm a nerd mm-hmm. now. How Me, Drat, <laughs> a nerd? I could never tell anyone. <laughs> I love that. I can't let anyone know that I am engaging in one of the most popular media franchises in the history of humanity. I will Truly, never live it down. I was, I had a very, very interesting sense of um i mean i was a kid so i guess like i can't yeah. say it's interesting i think many kids have this thing they're like i yeah. can't be like almost a peculiar like a peculiar sense of what is cool and it really yeah. depends on the school at a lot exactly. in like the country and the yeah the overall yeah. culture that you're in yeah for sure um so i didn't i refused did you ever, to tell I, them for a long time i did i do want to know did you ever play heart gold and soul silver because those are gen 4 as well yes so after diamond and pearl i got so hooked so a thing my parents would do um, to incentivize me to study is that whenever I get good grades, um, I would get a game. I could like be like, hey, mom, I got oh, great yes. grades. Can I have a game, please? After, after playing awesome. um, Pokemon Diamond, I got so hooked that I think I bought every single Pokemon game um, after Whoa. that until um, I think the most recent one I have was X and Y, Pokemon X and Y. Okay. So, I've so had, like, right before game. Sword and Shield, right? Yeah, right before Sword and Shield. Um, yeah. Or Sun so, and Moon. Maybe before Sun and Moon? Uh, sun, I, I think it was Sun and Moon, then Sword and Shield, Sword and then Shield, yeah. Scarlet and Violet. Yeah. 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 So I stopped like three or four games now, just purely because mm-hmm. I'm just too busy to play now. Um, yeah. Not for any disinterest in the um, uh, games. I just love Pokemon. I think it's really fun. Like, it scratches enough of a strategic itch. For it to be mm-hmm. satisfying, but not too much of an itch that like I can't do it when I'm relaxing. That I need to be like fully focused to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I ended up, so I did play um, Heart Gold and Soul Silver, and I absolutely loved that the Pokemon followed you around behind you. Yo. Like that was incredible. I was like, they need to make that a thing. And then finally, they started making it a thing with the more recent games. It, yeah, I think it was like I think it was Scarlet and Violet that they finally brought it back. Yeah, for my money, because I started with Red, Blue, and Yellow. I think Ooh. I started playing after Yellow had come out. So I yeah. started with I think Yellow was the first one I had because I think I had seen the show. But yeah. I had red, blue, and yellow pretty much all around the same time. And then went, uh, similar to you, played every single, at least like main series Pokemon game up through black and white. And I didn't get Ooh. both black and white. Yeah. I stopped because I, I just didn't like the Pokemon designs. Like I literally, I had already met Trubbish and was like, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. And then I then I met a Vanillite and then I, just, I stopped playing the game. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I was just it like, brings a lot of things into oh, question. Good. I think, like, because I, I, it's interesting on one hand and just weird on the other, because I think one thing I remember learning while playing Pokemon, but I learned just, like, in biology class, was that um, a lot of creatures um, look the way they do because it attracts their prey. Mm-hmm. Like, there are yeah. some plants that smell like, um, like, just smell like shit because it attracts bugs yeah. and those plants eat the bugs <laughs> or stuff like that. And I remember, like, applying that to Pokemon and being like, wait a second... What what creature would be attracted to vanilla ice cream? A human? Are, are we the prey of it, these Pokemon? But it, like it's but so it could weird. be it could be but maybe it's it's um it's camouflage because it also could be camouflage or even uh, I can't remember the exact term but there's a specific biological term for creatures that imitate other organisms in order to try and like repel uh 
potential yeah. enemies. Like I know sense. the yeah. what is it the is it the coral snake? There's a kind of snake that has coloration very similar to another kind of snake that is venomous. There are uh. certain insects that will like I think there are spiders that try to look like ants. Uh, because people, those, like yeah. other bugs are, yeah, other bugs are more scared of spiders or of ants than they are of spiders. Yeah. There are some, uh, there are some insects I know that try to look like certain kinds of flowers, different like bees and things like that. So yeah. it could be that vanillite is not eating humans. Maybe it's not trying to attract humans to eat them. <laughs> maybe it's trying to either hide from other, like maybe humans they know don't. Maybe here's another option. Maybe vanillite wants to be eaten. Oh Maybe my vanilla God. <laughs> is like a parasite that can only breed, oh. like, and reproduce in the intestines of a human. Yeah. And, like, we, we like, poop it out. Similar to, uh, similar to, um, oh, uh, the, what's it called? There's a specific uh, parasite that reproduces in cat uh, intestines. Yes, and, and it attracts mice. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, it makes my it makes rats and mice not afraid of cats. Yeah, and gets the, tries to get them eaten, and also possibly humans. It also might make humans like cats. Yeah, there's also this a possibility that humans like cats. That'd be in very part because of this. That'd be terrifying to think that parasite is affecting human behavior. I, honestly, I think away. like a third of humans have it. I think it's something like an insane percentage of Damn. humans have gotten it, primarily from cats. Yeah. So. I don't know. But yeah, anyway, I, I'm right there with you in terms of the biology stuff. Uh, and I also wanted to quickly point out, I completely agree with you and Abria and your assessment of nerddom. In my opinion, what a nerd... Nerd is best defined by how you engage with something yeah. rather than what you engage what, with. Yeah. I think I think geek is probably more appropriate to be like, oh, I like video games or yeah. I like, uh, I like, I don't know, uh, fantasy or anything like that. But I think it's how you engage with it. Because yeah, no, I definitely agree. If you just play those things, you can have a great time or engage with that media. You can have a great time and love it, but you're not necessarily a nerd about it unless you're yeah. sitting there like learning the details of it <laughs> and like focusing on it and wanting to maybe dress up as it. Because like, look at what is sports if you're wearing like the jersey of Truly. a dude. Yeah. It's cosplay. It literally Truly is. It's co <laughs> yeah and you know people who know our like pages of statistics and are yep. like going deep dives one of my favorite uh nba uh youtube creators i don't even watch basketball by the way i just like watching the storylines i don't like <laughs> i don't watch basketball at all but this dude every single video of his has at least three charts and he, where he's looked at statistical data from like all of these players and he puts it together in a really engaging way but it is yeah. so nerdy it's like he's very clear He's such a jock, but it is so <laughs> nerdy. And people love his videos, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, like, I, when Abria mentioned, said that, like, it opened my eyes. Because yeah. I was like, yeah, no, that's absolutely true. There is really no difference, really, between, like, someone who's obsessed with football or, and someone who's obsessed with Lord of the Rings. When, like, mm -hmm. they both can, like, name, the, like, uh, uh, obscure facts about characters or in the, exactly. player, in the team's sense, players. Like, there's definitely a weird... Uh, I definitely agree with you as well with the geek being a better descriptor for, like, the stereotypical, like, uh, fantasy adorer, like, video gamer uh, who's obsessed with those things. But, yeah, nerds, nerd is very widespread and I think mm. should be embraced by more people, honestly. Absolutely. I would like, before we move on, could you please give us one nerdy sports fact? Sports fact. Um, 
God, okay, so it's not a sports fact, but it's it's a reacting to a fact that I think mm. emphasizes how much of a nerd I am for this. <laughs> um, so in in uh, secondary school, one of the classes I took was history, and one of the modules was sports history, uh, specifically I think mm. specifically UK sports history, um, and we talked about rugby. And there was this um, clip that I can't remember for the life of me. I think it was um, England versus. Uh, I think New, New Zealand, um, and one of the players did this absolutely insane run, like from one end of the pitch to the other, just dodging, weaving past people. Mm-hmm. And they played the clip in the classroom, and I, well and truly, I don't, I didn't understand why it was happening at that moment, and I didn't understand why, it was, I still don't understand why it happened to me. But I watched it, and I started tearing up because I was like, oh. "This is." beautiful like i yes this is like an incredible piece of like an incredible play in a rugby match i've ever seen in my life and i mm-hmm. looked down at my hands like i'm crying i look i was truly confused my friend next to me was like are you crying i'm like i think i am i, I don't understand <laughs> like, it's not a fact but like it's a, a reaction to a fact that i was that was when i really clicked with me like damn i'm a bit too into yeah. this like, I'm, yeah i'm way into this Oh wow! No, I I can totally relate to that. I have there have definitely been pieces of media where something will happen, and it's not even supposed to be sad or anything, yeah. or or even make you have that emotional response. But I will think in the moment, like it will, it will not even think, but it will hit me that like this this whatever it is it hits me in such a way that it feels so perfect yeah. that it brings me to tears. Like uh, I remember, did you ever watch the show Community? No, I actually didn't. Oh. I highly recommend it. It's very, very good. Um, it's yeah. If you, did you enjoy? Have you ever seen Rick and Morty? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was a Rick and, okay. Rick and Morty fan. It was. It's pretty funny. There's some. Yeah. Some humor. I'm like, mm, but there is some pretty funny, funny jokes and storylines. Yeah. Yeah. So Rick and Morty is made by the same guy who created Community. Oh, damn. And okay. actually, actually recycles a lot of jokes and bits, oh. entire episode formats from Community. Um, <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Community is like Rick and Morty, but less depressing and less sci fi. <laughs> it's like a bunch of people yeah. at a community college, but trying to be just weird people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's a scene in which one of the most famous episodes of the show, uh, the, the episode that really put the show on the map, is uh, an episode in which they the entire campus has a campus-wide uh, uh, paintball uh, war. Uh, paintball war. Paintball yeah. assassin is what they call it. And it starts as like, okay, it's whatever. And then it turns into like a post-apocalyptic, like action movie pastiche with references <laughs> to stuff like Terminator, uh, Die Hard... But near the episode, one of the characters, I won't say exactly what happens, but it's literally a shot of a character walking into a room while in slow motion while music plays. And <laughs> I started crying because it was like it's something about the intersection of the way that the characters had been built up to that moment, the yeah. way that the plot had built up to that moment, and the way that the movie references had all come together to converge on that one moment. It was yeah. like, this is one of the most perfect moments in a piece of media that I've ever seen. And from there, like, it became my favorite thing. I was oh, obsessed I with community. I, I, yeah, I highly recommend right it. After this, actually. Um, yeah, check it out. I will say it takes for a lot of people. It takes a couple of episodes to really get going. Yeah. But just check out if you if you finish season one and are just like I don't like this, then <laughs> don't, then don't watch anymore. But yeah. I would say get try and get to at least the paintball episode, which is towards the end of season one. Okay, uh, it's yeah, called Modern Warfare. Yeah, Ooh. highly recommend it. Um, but 
We've talked enough about the introduction to uh, geekdom and nerdery. How did you go from that to, like, from Pokemon to TTRPGs? And not just from enjoying TTRPGs, but playing TTRPGs professionally. Yeah. Um, so it kind of came in two folds with, the, like, or my TTRPG origin. That's how I always say it anyway. It came in two folds because um, the first was just finding out that actual plays specifically existed um i'd heard of D D. everyone like it's hard not to hear D D, even if you're outside of the bubble um mm. but again very similar to pokemon it was like oh that's like extreme nerd <laughs> like I'm, at this point i've accepted i'm a nerd but i'm not that yeah. much of a nerd so i haven't i didn't really look yeah. into it didn't really try <laughs> to find it or, you were um, right though this time. D and D is way, especially especially like five or six years ago, was way further down yeah. the nerd rabbit hole. Yeah, no, absolutely. But then I I was watching. Uh, I guess it's another version of like nerd in I am. I love video games. I've always loved video games. Mm -hmm. For like, especially after Pokemon, I really got just got into all kinds of video games. And I also love watching video games. And oh, one yes. day, um, God. Now I'm saying, I think like three years ago at the beginning of the pandemic, like maybe four years. I don't know how long it's been, um, but a while ago, um, I was in university and I was watching um, Markiplier playing a video game on YouTube. Yeah, um, I, I'd reached a point where I it was very sudden shit where I couldn't sleep without like some kind of background noise. So I'd usually mm. have like Markiplier or some other video game on YouTube playing on my phone and I would fall asleep. Um, mm. So I fell asleep. And then woke up, and apparently YouTube autoplay had been on. So it's finished oh. the Markiplier video, probably a few other videos, and it ended up in um, a Geek and Sundry video. Um, and it was in the middle of like episode, I don't know, probably like seven or eight. So I didn't know what was going on, but like seven or eight of Ivan Van Norman's um, Foreververse. Whoa. And, um, the general gist of it, because I ended up rewatching it after it got hooked, but the general gist of it is that these group of people kind of jump from universe to universe. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. And in each universe, they play a different system and have a different problem to solve. Um, and I saw this, I was like, this is cool. This is interesting. I did this is like Im like friends playing around a table, playing just improv, playing pretend yeah. of some rules. That's interesting. Yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I was watching it. I was like, this is cool. This is fun. It's like a bunch of friends around a table um, playing improv with enough rules to make it not the whole my shield blocks all attacks kind of thing. Like there's enough rules for yeah. it to be um, fun. You missed. <laughs> I have infinity HP. Yeah, exactly. There's enough rules to stop that from happening, but enough like flexibility to still do whatever you want. So I started watching actual plays after that. I watched a bunch of Geek and Sundry shows. So like um, Foreververse was one. Um, I got really into Callisto 6, which is another uh, uh, campaign that's on Geek and Sundry. And that really scratched my itch. It was a superhero, like sci-fi superhero campaign. Mm. Um, and I'd watched, like, I got really into a bunch of other actual plays. Colloc 1990, um, 1991 was a big one as well. Man, and just, these are some deep cuts. I've never heard of some, most of these. Oh, they're really good. Uh, Callisto 6, highly recommend. Um, I think say, the, say the name again. Callisto 6. It's C-A-L-L-I-S-T-O and then number 6. Okay. It's really good. It uses the cyber system uh uh system um and it's a bunch of like this incredible talent in geek and sundry playing superheroes sci-fi superheroes hmm. um Colour 1991 is on hyper rpg it's really good abria was uh, a star on it they were the main character i think they guessed it for one um episode and afterwards they're like hey stick around we love you and then came on for the second and third <laughs> season as a permanent cast member um but that was really good 
but I got into watching them that way and I think mentally in my head I was like I'm just fine with watching it that's fine this is not for me mm-hmm. but I can it's fun to watch but then as I brought Colock 1991 I saw Bria playing and it kind of mm-hmm. clicked in my brain like oh I do actually want to play this I do I mm-hmm. really want to play this and then watching a Bria like absolutely dominate like the table like absolutely kill it at the table I was like I can do this I could do that so um, oh, okay. I joined I joined my university's D&D club um, and started playing D&D there. Um, and then... Was it the... Well, I want to ask really quickly. Was it the... What was it about the fact that Abria was crushing it that made you be like, oh, I can do this? Was it just the fact that you were, like, watching her just completely own everything? Or was it, like, did you identify... Like, was there, for example, the idea of... Um, the fact that it's a black uh, black person jumping in and, and yeah. just crushing it at this. I, th- I think it was a mixture. Of, I think it was uh, a mixture of both because in Callisto Six, um, there was a black uh, character, um, Elisa is in it, and they played an inc- incredible character. But I think oh, like Elisa Pearl. Elisa Pearl, yeah, Elisa Pearl. Is yeah, Elisa yeah. Pearl's great. Yeah, like Elisa Pearl is incredible. I got to there. Honestly, I'm a huge fan of them. I got to play them a bunch of times after that. But watching Elisa Pearl, I love their character. But I think Abrias was like. Elisa Pearl is just very sweet. And I think the character mm-hmm. is very sweet, but Abria is also very sweet, but the character was like in your face. I think it was like the character was unapolog- unapologetically in your face about things and their belief. And I think it was more of like seeing a black person play a character that wasn't, wouldn't feel submissive mm. was what clicked with me. Like someone like, someone who like, put their foot protagonist the energy that yeah exactly yeah big yeah. protagonist main character energy um again not to say that lisa didn't play that kind of character but their character was like also just a kind of character but right. seeing yeah seeing a black person be allowed to play such an aggressive character mm-hmm. was what when it clicked to me being like i would love to do this as well um so yeah join my D club and then the pandemic hit <laughs> like a month <laughs> later <laughs> so i mean just like okay guess i'm gonna just play online now it means it was like that's it that's that was what i needed i, I needed that push i can't play my friends mm-hmm. in person anymore everyone's pc set was too bad to play online like people oh, no. were dropping out of call the mic quality was terrible like oh. it made it impossible to actually play so i was like i'm gonna join uh, a teacher bd community on online and play with them um and i'd already like streamed a little bit uh, video, like video games on on twitch um, purely mm-hmm. because I had like, I I still do, but much a much less extent. I had social anxiety and I had like huge mm-hmm. stage fright, which was like mm-hmm. usually we would fine, but I had like performing sisters. Like my sisters were all very yeah. good at public speaking or performing. So I really wanted to like force myself to get better at it. And I thought mm-hmm. the easiest and most most comfortable way to do that would be streaming. So I was like, mm. that's like a sports player's take- mentality in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, the Michael Jordan, like, oh, they say he can't defend. So he just works playing, like he works defense constantly yeah. until that suddenly he's amazing at it. Yeah, yeah. that's absolutely, it's like a sports player's mentality, ta- bringing it to like a performance context. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. I think that's, lit- I think that quite literally is it. Yeah, because I did very much the same thing with football and rugby and all of that. Um, but yeah, so I just dived in head first. And I think the first, to ease myself into it, because I was still very nervous, like even with the conviction of like, I need to do this. It was still terrifying, knowing that I'd be performing, I'd be playing make believe in front of people watching. Mm-hmm. So I played a nervous character, <laughs> so I could get away with being <laughs> nervous in person. 
and played it was called medical bay 3 it was a mm-hmm. um sci-fi medical drama tcrpg where I, okay. we played aliens or uh, interstellar humans in a, a space ward helping people and aliens with their uh, illnesses um okay and well, did you set this up or was it did you um, like audition how did you end up in it? So I think people might know this, but uh, on Twitch and just other communities in general, streaming communities, there are many channels that are like, hey, if you want to play, just let us know and we can like put you in a game. Um, and I found mm. um, other doc. That's literally the word other than docs, D-O-C, on Twitch. And I was like, hey, I'd love to play in a game. And they're like, yeah, sure. This is great for first timers. I think they like they specialize in like helping first timers get into TTRPGs and streaming them as well. So I, I played really cool. on their channel, um, and then in that game, I met a good friend of mine, Jen, and mm-hmm. apparently my nervous alien doctor was enough fun to play with that they were like, hey, let's play again together, and invited <laughs> me to a channel they ran, and I started like appearing on their channels more and more often. Um, and then- and it all kind of went from there? Yeah, it went from there. After a while, um, it became clear that that channel wasn't great. There were some- very problematic mm. views. So mm. Jen and I and a few others decided to leave and just make our own channel. <laughs> and and oh, we just nice. made our own. Uh, within like, probably like three months after starting, I was running a whole new channel, French Roll Dice, <laughs> with these people. Um, and it kind of just blossomed from there. I became hooked on TCRPGs after that. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you pretty much never looked back because I know every time that we've worked together, it has been like, look, I got a heart out at this time. I got to go do a stream. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it, it never stops. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun because I think it's, it's scratching an issue I didn't know I had of performing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm realizing the thing why I was so terrified of like in general beforehand of like had stage fright was that in most positions where I was asked to act, I didn't have anything really to go off of. I didn't have like mm-hmm. a script or even really like a character description to go off of. But now with two RPGs, I'm either like, creating my character or if I'm guessing, I'm often given a character so I can like mm-hmm. understand it before going into it. And that's, mm. I think, helped a huge amount. Um, and yeah. Honestly, helped a lot of my social anxiety. I'm, I'm a lot better at public speaking now and just being oh, that's awesome. around people now. So it's been, it's been great. It's been a life-changing experience, honestly. <laughs> This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little 
uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Yeah. That, I mean, that honestly leads me to a question that I wanted to ask. As somebody, most of the people that we have engaged with and that are in, that I've observed, the TTRPG space, especially the ones who perform regularly, usually have some kind of performance background. Either they are professional actors or they trained at some point or they just did a bunch of it like in high school or college or whatever. But in your particular case, I'm curious because the vast majority of people who play TTRPGs ultimately are not people with performance backgrounds. Yeah. How is it, how do you approach playing TTRPG characters from a role play standpoint as somebody who hasn't performed before? Yeah. So just to let everyone know how polar opposite I am from like the theater background, um, I'm fully STEM. Um, like, mm, I, I, okay. like maths, physics, science, chemistry, like in A-levels, I did maths, further maths, and physics. That's my yeah. background. Um, so like, I'm so far from theater. I think the only person that really is like heavy in that is my, the oldest of my youngest sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, as someone who doesn't have any theater background, um, I still find a lot of theater tricks help. A lot of my friends, like you mentioned, a lot of people we interactive at least when it comes to like streaming mm-hmm. um yeah. tend to have theater backgrounds and a lot of them have things like they have playlists to um listen to the house and get into the mood or uh one of my one of my good friends has like they ask they ask their character questions but they have like 20 Ooh. questions and they go through those questions answering it as if they were their character to like really mm-hmm. get into the mindset of them and i borrow bits and pieces of that um, depending mm-hmm. on the the role, I guess. It feels weird mm-hmm. to say that for teacher BG, but it essentially is. I'm a performer. Uh, the role yeah. I step into. Um, so like for like long campaigns, I definitely do the question route. I have um I originally had twenty questions, but recently, semi recently, Ginny D put out a hundred questions. Um Whoa. that they ask. Yeah. So like I go through those questions one by one for like long-term characters a hundred questions yeah my word can you don't don't say all the questions please uh but can you give like a couple examples and i'm gonna have to look this up yeah Uh, it's it's like mundane as like is your character night owl or early bird uh some of those questions like that or um uh what is your like simple like what is your character's hobby um right Mm -hmm. down to the like very deep and harsh like What's an uh, uh, event that changed your character forever? Like it goes from mm. the, the minuscule to the macro. 
um, yeah. like everything and everything it covers really well. And a lot of the time it makes you ask other questions about like, oh, that's interesting. I said that, but why would that be a thing? Let's mm -hmm. like dig deeper into that character. Um, I also make playlists, which is oh, a nice. lot of fun. Um, a lot of the time, like you mentioned, I'm often going from project to project being like, I have a hard out, so I need to go now. Yeah. So I don't always have the time to like re-look over the answers to the questions I have or anything like that or like, or do any massive um, rituals. Sometimes I just mm -hmm. listen to music that helps me think about the like personality type or the things they've been through in their backstory or in the campaign itself. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times so I'm not as um, gifted as some of my friends who are able to like read deep into the lyrics and be like okay these lyrics feel right for this character i'm just like mm -hmm. this song feels like a thing my my character would listen to so i'm gonna listen to yeah. it yeah um or that mean, um, i think that works just as well like it yeah. doesn't have to be the lyrics have distinct uh relevance i know one time i recorded a thing actually uh it hasn't been released yet but the Ooh. thing that i showed you the art for that we will yeah. that remain nameless uh <laughs> that has a Get an, a, a, an appearance by uh, C from Transplaner. Yeah, and oh, C so much. Yeah, C's the bomb. Uh, <laughs> and they had a they had a musical piece that I'm pretty sure was all instrumental uh, that they had picked out as like this is the vibe I'm going for. Yeah. And I was like, yo, this is sick. <laughs> uh, and I know I know in like past games. Um, I, I sort of learned to DM from watching Dimension 20, specifically like Fantasy High, the first yeah. season. I started DMing not too long after that had ended. And nice. I went in being like, oh, well, in the first episode, every character has music that is associated with their character up front. And some of them, those themes return throughout the series. Okay, yep. well, then I will go to my players and have them each pick a theme song for their character that I that could be something the character listens to, so could be good, something yeah. lyrically that sounds that like describes them or it could just be something that has the vibe like one a couple of people have picked instrumentals like it's been all over the place one dude picked war pigs uh actually no <laughs> i suggested war pigs because he was oh, playing nice. this minotaur yeah. barbarian who wanted to like conquer everything and i'm like this is this is it uh like from the moment those core those the when we hit like the second the bow, 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 it's like yes yeah yes yeah so yeah i'm right there with you like that can uh, I don't always do it for my TTRPG characters, but I think that that can be an extremely effective way because music communicates on such an emotional level for so many people. I yeah. think it can really get you in the right mindset. Like immediately, um, yeah. Out of curiosity, did you have, because obviously with um, with Willis, there was, <laughs> there was not any time <laughs> to ask yeah. any of these questions <laughs> except for the questions that were already in the game. But with Carfi, for example, because we had a whole call about Carfi. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't know, we uh, when Drac was in Outlaws and Obelisks Slowdown Showdown, that was the, the, the version that was released on Three Black Halflings is a two-part sequel to a D&D &D, uh, celebration game, a live-streamed D&D &D celebration game that we did. And I met with each of the players ahead of time and basically went through their characters with them, threw out ideas, helped develop stuff. And so we yeah. had like a full, I don't even know how long of a call, but it was like an hour or something. Yeah, about I think to, it was, I think it was maybe a bit more than an hour, yeah. Yeah, it was really, really fun. So I'm curious, did you have any of this in place for Carfi? Did Carfi have a theme song or anything like that? I didn't have, so I didn't get to go through the questions because um, I think at the time I was just doing so much. But I did make a playlist. Um, I did make a place of like three or four songs that felt like really fit 
the vibe of one the campaign because mm-hmm. I, I felt like that help would help me a lot as well but two mm-hmm. of um campaign the game but two of uh his mindsets that i felt like resonated mm-hmm. with his mindset just to play like before and sometimes even during recording um yeah so i could just get in like recenter myself because a lot of the time like that game was incredible and it was a lot of fun there were so many funny things that definitely like pulled me out of my character because me and jack were just <laughs> laughing too hard so like it, i don't know if anyone could see it in the the video but there'll be moments where you see me clicking that's me like playing the playlist against like okay jack get back into the headspace get back in there uh, <laughs> ignore the dude who has a literal <laughs> stick up his ass go back go back to the character come on bring it back in. <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun i absolutely loved it i don't think i've laughed that hard in a while um but yeah, and no, I definitely had the playlist, like a short playlist. I usually have like, again, like for longer campaigns, my playlist can be like anywhere between five to like 20 songs. Um, mm. But for, for Carthy, it was short five songs. Yeah. Just Do you remember week. any of them? Um, no, actually, let me see if I can look. Yeah, if you now. still have the playlist, like if it's on yeah. Spotify, can you give me, because I'd love to share it as part of the episode. I think yeah, it would uh, give a lot of insight into how people could approach their own characters. And also, for anybody who listened to that and really loved Carfi, who's a great character, uh, I think it would be cool to get to hear that as well, to hear, like, your inspirations. Um, while you're looking for that... Think I don't actually think I have it. I oh, think I have it that's a shame. My, I was using a friend's account. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, okay. Think. Yeah. So I don't have uh, it Do you my... remember any songs that were on it? Um, no, but there was a lot of... There was, some, there was a lot of soul music. Um, like two or three bits of soul music purely because I think we joked about this but it, I, my, my card is basically like a black man trapped in, <laughs> in yeah. like magical armor so I was like <laughs> let me just make sure that I don't forget that bit um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that well, we never even got to get into that part of the backstory yeah we actually didn't yeah I guess yeah, anyone you... listening now you, you just learned about it yeah my yeah. warforge was actually just a black man trapped and like in <laughs> magical armor and forgot that they were human that they, they yeah. just truly thought they were like created Warforge. Yeah. Um. And you had, yeah, the whole, yeah, it was like you had been, I think it was, you were possibly part of the military yeah. and you were part of like some, some strike team that had like high tech magic suits. And yeah. then when the calamity happened, you, you were probably the only person who survived in your unit, but basically you got fused into the armor and, and it wa- completely washed your brain. So yeah. you just are like, whoa, I guess I'm, this is me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, and, I guess I'm a Warforge. Cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and you can like engage with machines because that's another thing. We never got to do it but you come from a place called construct city uh where there's like all these living machines and stuff um which almost uh i wanted to mention this in one of my D &D in a castle games uh shout out to this round four of 2022 uh we did an utarum game and they almost went to construct city Oh, I thought I they were going to. Yeah. Oh, I would have. I would have had Carfi show up too uh, in the game. Great. Uh, yeah. Damn. Yeah. It was. They ended up deciding to go someplace else. But oh, it was so cool. I was so excited. Uh, but yeah, Carfi's awesome. Uh, I think that's a great. I think that's a great approach. Uh, and further to that, I wanted to ask. Well, there's two questions. Number one. Yeah. Obviously, when uh, you have played a number, like a range of different TTRPGs, I'm curious, for you as a performer, are there any specific TTRPGs that you find 
are easier to engage with a character because of the way that the mechanics and the character elements maybe interact or don't interact. Yeah. And then I guess the second part of this question is for systems like D&D where people have sometimes complained or at least I've heard people complain and I have complained that sometimes people will tend to approach the mechanics and the character as like separate how do you, as a player, reconcile the mechanics of various systems to the character that you are trying to create? Like, what's the relation? Does the character yeah. spring from the mechanics? Does the, it inform the mechanics? Are they just two separate things? How do you engage with all of that? Yeah. So I'll answer the first question. The system I find would be easier to, like, onboard and connect the mechanics with the character. I'd say, honestly, maybe... The cipher system, I'm pretty biased towards, just because mm. um, I just love the cipher system. Mm -hmm. um, That's what they use for Callisto 6, you said? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, the Monticute Games, the publisher, they made games like Invisible Sun, uh, Cyber System for... And they, the Cyber System is like setting agnostic, so they have a bunch of books for different settings you'd want or different genres, but the Cyber mm -hmm. System itself is really good for just any of them. Um, Cyber System is really good. Part of the Apocalypse is, uh, is always loved and simple, and it's really... It, it, like I think where it thrives is that there's enough like vagueness to what each mechanic can be that you can just play any character and just mm. have the stats not really need to be linked directly or dictate mm. how they act um so say i'd probably say power by the apocalypse and the cyber system really good um quest is really good if you want to like really lean into like something similar to D, &D with that mm -hmm. the fantasy and the d20 and all of that but still a mm -hmm. bit more rules light um so yeah say those three uh quests Cyber System and Powered by the Apocalypse. I've played Powered by the Apocalypse. I haven't played the other two, although I think I did a little bit of research on Quest. Uh, and I can certainly say Powered by the Apocalypse does a great job of, of... Because most of the character creation and the abilities are tied back in some way to who you are as a person. Yeah. Rather than... Like, they're explicitly in the rules, at least in the ones that I've played. Yeah. They are, like, extensions of who you are as a person rather than sort of a job that you have or just a yeah, set of abilities exactly. that you have. Yeah. If that makes sense. For D D though, that's interesting because I think I take it from a very different like route than many people do. Mm -hmm. Um I actually do let the mechanics dictate the character, mm. but sort of. So a lot of the time I'm I'm a min-maxer, but I am a strong yeah. believer that min-maxing doesn't take away from roleplay. Mm -hmm. Um I think like I think people mix up min-maxing and like power gaming or like right uh i think there's a, like, there's another word for it that i think i like i haven't heard in a long time and i think it was originated before my time in dnd space mm -hmm. um but i min max and a lot of the time i have like an idea for like a really good multi-class or good um or just straight up class of feats that i think mm -hmm. would work together well and then i build it and I, then i sit there and think okay now that i've built this who in their right mind would train to become this <laughs> and then branch out from that oh um, that's cool so like I, i'd like think of like what kind of personality would want to be this rather than think of a personality mm -hmm. and then build a character around it right um because a lot of the time i never uh, i never want my characters to be a fighter who's good at hitting with swords i want yeah. my character to be a um a, a a father who learned how to fight because his his daughter um was failed in a war it's something like mm -hmm. i want like yeah. i have this thing and i want to make a play uh, a personal that. reason yeah 
a personal yeah. reason why they would become this. Well, that's um, like Carfi. When we were building yeah. Carfi, I think we started with Warforged. We yep. started with yep. Armorer and Warforged. And you really, like Armor Artificer and Warforged. And you were like, that's what I want to play. And yeah. it's like, cool, let's build something out of that. And I think we ended up with, if we wanted to tie you in with the Calamity itself, that like that was what we settled on. And yeah. I think it worked perfectly. Like there wasn't, we didn't have to bring it up in the game, but like I think it it made Carfi feel like a more interesting character. Yeah, no, then you literally, yeah, you got to. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, you fully witnessed my my method of like build and then character because I'm also one yeah. of those people who I have like I have a D and D Beyond account. I've got mm-hmm. the subscription. I have so mm-hmm. many character builds there. <laughs> I have like maybe over a hundred, maybe nearing two hundred at this point oh that I haven't goodness. used. I just build. I'm like, this is a fun build. Let me create this and then never mm-hmm. use it. Um, so yeah, I have that. But um, it's it's it's. I think it's a really fun way to build a character because I think for me, and I think everyone's fun is different. But for me, I really don't like playing a character who's not good at what i wanted them to be good at right like i'm i'm so there with you yeah like i i've, I think, I've had this oh go ahead yeah you go ahead you know i was gonna say i, I think it's um because a lot of people say like um min maxes never lean into their mins and i'm like that's not a min maxer then like if you're not mm-hmm. if you're not rolling with the low rolls then you're not really playing the game and i definitely don't do that but there's definitely a point where i'm like yeah i'm playing a father who became a fighter to avenge their daughter but i also mm. want them to be good at avenging their daughter you know like yeah. i feel like it like so that when they do fail or if they do fail it hits it that much harder as well because yes. like they've been they've been doing it they've never met failure if they do it's very rarely but then mm-hmm. when they eventually do it hurts and affects them much more deeply than it would if it's just like oh it's another thing it always happens like yeah. so I, that's like how i min max and play a min max character and yeah. build my characters honestly i think that makes perfect sense you're you create a character that fits what you want them to be able to do yeah. uh and you have a synergy between the mechanics and the character yeah. even though you start maybe from a different spot what you end up with is there's a unification that like exactly. they it feels like a whole person i've told yeah. this story on the show multiple times but uh one of my friends in a game that i ran a home game wanted to play a character who was a detective he really wanted to make Ooh. a character who was like this cool suave detective guy who comes from, like, a family of investigators. And he chose to play him as a gunslinger fighter uh, who had very low... Like, his wisdom was a plus zero. Um, I think his charisma was good. uh, And I think his intelligence was good. But he basically wasn't good at detecting. Yeah. Because most of his skills... He didn't have very many proficiencies, number one, because yeah. he's a fighter. And then number two, he couldn't do insight or perception very well. Like, he yeah. was good at investigation, but I don't even know if he was... I think he was proficient with that, but, like, he he had such a mishmash, and it would undermine him. Like, yeah. lit- he would literally try to play the character the way he wanted him to be, and it would just... It, it made the character look like a doof. Because, yeah. like, he, he would miss everything yeah and yeah and it got to where i'm like dude you know the people in the organization are not going to be fans of of your of your guy because yeah. he's out here just screwing it up he keeps getting himself killed like there's he what you wanted him to be was like a super detective and instead he's actually the muscle 
that the super detective should be calling in to yeah. deal with stuff once the super detective has figured it out. And so we ha eventually had to go back and respec his character to be a, a rogue multi-class with well, a uh, Gunslinger really Fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, because it fits. And I'm, yeah. I kept trying to tell him, like, dude... As much as I think your character is a great idea, you the mechanics unfortunately are not serving what you have tried to make. You've yeah. not made a character, uh, you've not made a character mechanically that serves what you are trying to do roleplay wise. And whereas with a character like Carfi or a number of the other, or the hypothetical father who's offending the daughter, there's a unification. The yeah. the mechanics serve the roleplay just like the roleplay serves the mechanics. Like yeah. they they go back and forth. They, the mechanics become part of the roleplay. So. So, yeah, I completely support that. I think that's a fantastic way of approaching it. Um, I really quickly wanted to touch on your work as a writer and a producer and how you got into that and what are some of, if you have any tips or advice for people who are trying to get into those fields, uh, at least when it comes to TTRPGs. I, I imagine that some of the skills would still be transferable to other areas as well. Yeah. Uh, could you give us a quick rundown uh, and and a piece of advice, please? Yeah. Well, I, I'd say so. As I got into writing... Honestly, truly, I a friend of mine um, is uh, like, I asked a friend of mine, like, how did you get into writing? Quite literally, like, how did you do it? And mm -hmm. they just said that they first, they just did, wrote a bunch of stuff for themselves. Because a lot of the time, people looking for writers want some kind of portfolio. And if you wait to go the portfolio out with like officially published or uh, uh, things that have been, you've been hired to do, you don't get mm -hmm. a very big portfolio very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. So they advise that I just write stuff for myself, even if it's like just small one sheet, one page teach RPGs or one page mm -hmm. adventures. Um, and so I did a lot of that. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you'd see me tweeting like, it'd be really cool if there was just an adventure like this. And I just randomly tweet an idea. And often, often mm -hmm. a lot of the time, that's quickly followed by me just writing it up myself um, mm -hmm. in like my, my notepad on my phone or, or quickly on like Google Docs and then adding it to my portfolio. Um, another thing that helped a lot was just kind of reaching out to some publishers and just asking. I love, um, especially to some of the smaller ones, are looking for freelance writers um, to write adventures or s entire systems for them. Um, like Modifius is one that they, they always have their like email and uh, doors mm -hmm. open for people who want to apply to be a writer. Um, I believe Cubicle 7 is. I think theirs is like you have to look out for when they actually open up the application process, but they do mm -hmm. occasionally have application processes. Um, they're the folks who made um, like... Um, uh, the, the Doctor Who role playing game. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. They recently made Do um, Doctors and Daleks, which is a D&D 5e uh, version of that system. Um, and because I think, are they involved? I don't think they're involved in Warhammer. It's um, Soulbound, I believe it's called. It's, an, it's another uh, system. You should check it out. They, Cubicle 7 does really good systems, really good mm -hmm. games. But Cubicle 7 is one that they occasionally have things open for. Um, and just look around in your like indie TTRPG space because a lot of the time, a lot of my writing credit is like indie TTRPG writers yep. being like, we have a Kickstarter, we want to have someone on a stretch goal, or yep. just need more writers on. Um, like Banana Chan, I wrote for Banana Chan's Damus Academy. I wrote mm. uh, a scenario for that. Um, I believe they brought me on for another game, um, like very soon after that, called, called um, Exquisite Corpse Party, I believe it's called. Oh, um, nice. 
and that was a lot of fun to write for so just reaching out to indies first i think is a good way because mm-hmm. we're always trying to uplift each other we're always trying to get more experience and more viewpoints on their writing and our writing and then from there expanding out to maybe the bigger names like wizards of the coast or, mm-hmm. or paizo um stuff like that yeah, once uh, you have I a think, portfolio of work you yeah, can point to. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. So you have like evidence that you're you've got good work. One, you've got good work ethic, and two, you just enjoy and good at writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say that's probably my my advice for that. And also just make sure you're writing things that you actually enjoy doing. I went through a mm-hmm. uh, uh, a process specifically for performing. I learned from performing not to do this for writing, but just accepting everything and anything. Um, uh, don't yep, do that. Because yep. <laughs> if you're yep. passionate about it, it will not be fun <laughs> and it will make you lose passion for it. <laughs> so yep. be picky. Even if you're starting out, I think the biggest thing, actually, that's my biggest tip. Be picky regardless of if you're a beginner or a newbie because a lot of people will try and prey on the fact that you're new and mm-hmm. seemingly desperate don't mm-hmm. just if something's interesting do it if something doesn't interest you don't um, i recently got reached out to by incredible folks but they reached out to me to do a fallout adventure for the fallout tchbg oh, and okay. it was modifius i believe and i was like yeah I have no interest in Fallout. Like, thank you so much for reaching out ah. to me, but I and I and the pay was good. I was like, I generally just don't have any interest in it. I would not enjoy mm-hmm. writing this. Um, and yeah. they appreciated it. They were like, thank you. Like most people just take it without um, showing mm-hmm. any passion for it. They were like, thank you for letting us know that you like your genuine, honest opinion because it yeah. shows in your writing as well. Like if you yeah. don't know the law, if you don't care about the law, if you don't care about yeah. your writing, it it shows in it. And Fallout is a franchise with very dedicated fans. And a huge, yeah. like, I recently uh, have been playing Fallout New Vegas. It's the first, it's the only Fallout game I've ever played. And I think it's Ooh. a great game. Yeah. But, like, there is such, that game came out in 2009, 2010. And there are still videos getting hundreds of thousands of views yep. being made about that game, ranking the different weapons. And it's yeah. like, this game is 13 <laughs> years old. Like, wh- how on earth? So, yeah, yeah, that is not a franchise. You want to just be like, just like walk in there and just start throwing yep. a bunch of stuff on the page. You don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Like, an, an example of what I was passionate about is Cubicle 7 reached out to me, and they've actually announced it recently. They reached out to me t- for me to write an adventure for the Doctor Who role playing game. Um, oh, and it, nice. I, and I'm a huge, I love Doctor Who. I've loved Doctor Who for a very, mm-hmm. very long time. And they reached out to me to write for their 60th anniversary celebration book. So I got to oh, write one nice. of the adventures in that. So if you check out Keyboard 7, volume 2 of the... Because there's two volumes. Volume 1 is like um, old who. So I think mm-hmm. first up to the 8th Doctor. And mm-hmm. then uh, the second volume is new who. So it's 9th uh, up to the so 14th. Yeah, from Eccleston up to... Um, I think David Tennant too. If Spoiler alert. Uh, uh, but David Tennant returns as the doctor in the most recent um episode so it's up to the second appearance of Doctor uh, david Tennant as the doctor mm. and I, I i wrote for i believe god i've written quite a few things um but i believe i wrote matt smith's um adventure so i wrote for the matt smith oh, era cool. i'm in that book so if you want to check that out that's so cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, by the way, as a side note, how excited are you for... I don't know if... I don't really follow Doctor Who that closely, but how... I don't, So I don't know if he's already debuted, but how excited yeah. for, are you for the first Black Doctor? I, I was so unbelievably excited because so, so technically they aren't the first Black Doctor because in the... Oh, the, yeah, the one woman, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a woman, like, but she's like... Doctor Adjacent, like it was, it was, it was really, it was really weird how they did it. 
I won't spoil it for anyone who does want to watch or is interested in it. But the first, like, actually whole season of a Black Doctor is, mm-hmm. is Shooty. And I'm very excited for it. I'm very excited to have them. I think they're an incredible, incredible, um, like, actor. I watched them in mm-hmm. Sex Education. And they're by mm-hmm. far, they weren't even, like, the main character. They're the best friend of the main character. And in right, my opinion, the they stole, yeah, the, you know, yeah, the Black Best Friend. Yeah. Um, but it was they were incredible they stole the show so like hearing that they will be the next doctor i'm so unbelievably excited and it takes everything in my soul and will to not make every post i put on any social media to be about that specifically <laughs> so I'm like, okay this is my special interest i can't i can't make everyone to suffer through this so i'm not going to but god yeah. i want to <laughs> have you already planned the cosplay i so that's very funny because a friend of mine saw the announcement of Shooty being the new doctor and mm-hmm. like scrolled through it quickly. So they didn't see the picture properly. And apparently they thought it was me. So immediately messaged me being like, you like after obviously checking and being like, oh, it's not actually drag. They immediately messaged mm-hmm. me like, you need to cosplay him. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, I guess I will. There's a, there's <laughs> a resemblance. <laughs> there's a genuine <laughs> resemblance there. Like, so I'm, like, I'm, I'm, it, like I'm sitting here thinking it like, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> I think it'd be a really, really good cosplay. I would absolutely do it. It would be my second cosplay ever. And I would happily do it. Oh, uh, I hope that happens. I really hope that I cannot. (laughs) In fact, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to claim that it's going to happen at some point. (laughs) I I have to make it happen now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When it happens. Uh. Exactly. (laughs) When it happens, I cannot wait to see the photos. That's so cool. Uh, well, Drac, uh, as we're wrapping things up, the uh, for every episode, every single guest, we always have to ask, uh, can you please give us a tale from the table? This can be a, a story from one of your experiences playing any TTRPG, that it, a particularly memorable moment, whether it's funny, whether it's sad, whether it's horrifying, whether it's shocking, whether it's amazing, whether it brought a tear to your eye, uh, anything, a tale from the table, please spin it for us. A while ago, I was on a, a cyber system campaign or a sci-fi cyber system campaign called uh, Infinite Horizon. It was uh, mm-hmm. a ton of fun. Um, I think we went on for like two years. Um, and I think one memorable experience, I'll call it, because it spanned a couple of episodes, a couple of sessions, um, but was I, I originally was on that show as a guest. Um, I played uh, a character called Taeon. And mm. I got to play the very cool, stereotypical, and now that you know I'm a Doctor Who fan, probably very <laughs> understandable character of, oh, I came from the future to warn the main cast about something wrong that was going to happen. <laughs> so I, I played yes. a character with time travel powers, and I went back to the past to warn the main cast or something. Um, mm-hmm. And during the episode, a lot of stuff happened, and we ended up in a fight with one of my, my characters' nemesis that had also mm-hmm. gone to the past to like mess future it up. Future Willis. Uh, future <laughs> Willis. <laughs> um, you see, I love time travel, as you can tell. Um, yeah. But we're in a fight, like in a ship, and the the arch nemesis was like found, saw that they were like on their last legs and was so desperate to like take us out that they basically busted the wall and everyone got sucked out into just the vastness of space with no suits. Oh on. no! Um, and. We were just all like kind of floating there. We had to make some rolls and checks to see if we can get back to the ship, and we didn't. And oh, one no! by one, everyone died. And then oh! my character was left. And my character, I was like, I had, um, so I asked the GM, I was like, 
I want to try something absolutely ridiculous. I want to go back in time and make this never happen. Like go back in time enough to warn everyone from th this happening. So um, we rolled for it and it happened. So we went back in time, prevented it from happening. And that was the end of my guest appearance. I was like, cool, that was my guest appearance. That was really cool, done. Later Whoa. on, <laughs> later on, they were like, we loved your character. Do you want to come on as a permanent cast member? So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I'll come oh, as a awesome. cast member. And brought back that it's character. Like future Trunks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I brought back that character, came up with a reason why I was back with these group in this time. And then many episodes later, we learned that I technically didn't undo that that i actually just made a branching timeline oh so no. that timeline still had like the dead main cast and only oh, one of them no. one of the main cast survived in huh. that realm and they became so angry and twisted that they became the big bad of our campaign whoa so i in my guest appearance created the big bad of that campaign and so i think sick. learning that was like oh <laughs> that rocked me because i think it rocked me as a player and me as a character my character was like yeah. oh i because this about this bad guy destroyed worlds like they went mm -hmm. on to like destroy worlds so like my character had that on their conscience as well but then me as a player was like oh there really are consequences to my actions yeah. <laughs> even my guest actions um and the so irony that really of that like the idea that your character came back to try and prevent disaster and in the process of preventing that disaster you caused greater disaster yep. like even worse that's yeah. really wild that's it cool was, it was ridiculous it was a ton of fun as well like the system yeah. itself the cyber system was like close and dear to my heart because obviously even the Foreverse was incredible i love Foreverse. callisto 6 was the first actual play that like i got into like i was there every week watching it live i was in chat communicating with the community and everything like that so like the cyber system itself kind of like was linked to the experience so again mm -hmm. to play it and then have such a like truly shattering like heart-wrenching experience in my own campaign was a lot of fun so i'd say i think that would be my tale of like incredible uh emotion and yeah. storytelling that is a phenomenal tale from the table. Uh, I am also a sucker for time travel, so right up my alley. Thank you so much, Drac, for being here. Please, can you tell the folks where they can find you on the internet? Yes, uh, you can find me on all over social medias, whatever one is still alive, um, at Draconix, that's D-R-A-K-O-N-I-Q-U-E-S. I'm most predominantly on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, but I'm also on Blue Sky um hive god what else threads all under mastodon? all under that did you get on mastodon i think i'm on mastodon but i haven't used it since the first like craze <laughs> um instagram as well if you want to follow me there but i don't really use instagram tiktok as well if you want to follow me there but again don't really use tiktok but who knows mm -hmm. that might change because i've got a few projects in the works that might require tiktoks and instagram posts Ooh. to really get out there um but yeah you can, you can check me out in those places all right. Well, Drac, thank you so much for being here. This is a blast. It's been a long time coming. Uh, you've yeah. been a friend of the show <laughs> for years now, so I'm so glad we finally got to do it. Uh, and I hope we get to play together again uh, sooner Me rather too. than later. It's, yeah. it's always a blast. Thank you so much uh, for having me. Absolutely. And with that, so long, Shire Folk. You can say it too. So long, Shire Folk.
That was a HeadGum Podcast.